Hey, folks, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That's right. That's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. That's Double J, Jeff Jarrett, the world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, and now the world's greatest podcaster. Ha <laughs> ha. Just kidding. Hey, tune in, or you're listening to, or if you haven't subscribed, go right now and subscribe. SLTD Roundtable, the podcast. You got to tune in. These guys are great. They're greater than great, but they ain't as great as Double J. Ain't we great? Hi everyone and welcome back to the SLTV Roundtable. Uh, before we get started, we're just going to kind of make this as open and honest and transparent as it is. Myself and Callum are here. Ty's not here. Ty's going to make his big comeback next week, we think. Um, we are, we're, we've, we've got an episode planned. We are umming and ahhing about doing a side table to talk about Vince McMahon. Now, I said to Callum, we'll stick it in the front of this episode. Now, we're just going to talk. We're going to talk about what's come out and we're going to talk about what we think that means and all that kind of stuff. If it's short, if it's five-ish minutes, if it's ten-ish minutes, we're just going to stick it at the front of the episode that we're doing. If it's longer than that, this is going to go out as a separate side table. But you lot don't care because you'll know that by the time you listen to it anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, if, if we talk Vince McMahon for a while in front of top ten NXT TakeOver matches then you'll know why. If there's two separate podcasts, then you'll know why as well. Um, so, Callum, before we get started, how are you doing? How's your week been? Yeah, all right. Fairly fairly busy. Obviously, we had the, the heat wave at the start of the week. Christ. Uh, Monday and Tuesday were fun, um, to say the least. I, mean, I, sl- I slept downstairs Monday morning and woke up about half five and then didn't sleep again until late Monday night. Um, got my hopes up that Edge was going to return on that night's Raw, so I thought, let's mm. just watch the start. And then in the end, I read something on one of our groups, and it said, well, he's going to return at the MSG show. So I thought, well, I'll just get to try and get a few hours sleep. Um, but, I mean, l- last night, we're going to talk about it a little little bit more in a second. Last night was very surreal. Um, I, I left my phone in my room because, you know, I like to put my phone down and not really be looking at it now and then. And I thought, well, let's just, you know, had this really nice Chinese meal that we bought from Marks and Spencer's, meal for two, for three of us. Uh, and we added a hoisin duck noodles to the, to the meal and had prawn crackers and everything. Really nice. My brother was out because it was a end of year party. No. Uh, and he's got a peanut allergy. So we thought, well, we'll order, we'll get a Chinese because he can't eat that anyway. <laughs> Have a treat whilst he's away. Um, and then go to bed about half 12 after watching Mark Darcy and Daniel Cleaver fight in Bridget Jones and look at my phone and saw tons of messages on the group chat, one or two from people that I didn't know who they were. Um, and all of a sudden I kind of scroll up, Vince McMahon retires. Huh? Retires? How can, how can someone who, who is a chairman to me, it's not a, necessarily a retirement. It's just a stepping back in into the background. To me, I can't I can't see Vince retiring, retiring. You know, it's going to be a bit like in a year's time, Boris Johnson returning as prime minister. God help us. Oh, God. But 
where in six months to 12 months time, Vince will slowly, slowly get himself back in somehow. Because I would imagine he's still got some sort of share on, in the board of directors. I read he's the majority shareholder still. So, so I mean, I can't imagine Triple H, Stephanie and, and Tony's long lost half brother thinking, well, we've got the complete control of this now. And then Shane walks back in and can I, can I join too? Um, I can't imagine them having the complete control of A, who they bring in and B, what they do with certain superstars. That being said, though, out of everything that could happen, the one thing that I do want to see is people like Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, the, the core NXT guys of Triple H's era be pushed because I think that's what's been lacking so much really in like the last three or four years. Because, I mean, we're going to be talking hopefully in this episode, provided I don't Babylon for any longer about NXT takeover matches and our top 10 and there's so many people on on our list that never really got that push on the main roster and when you saw them on NXT we all dreamed about them being world champion intercontinental champion and very few of them actually succeeded or even made it to the main roster so the one thing I want out of all of this is for you know those people to receive that push and perhaps see guys like Gargano come back and receive a push with Champa and Tag Division. Um, but in all in all, it's just a very surreal feeling. Um, not too big on the thank you Vince chance. Um, I know that we probably wouldn't be here talking about wrestling on a Saturday morning if it wasn't for what he created. But yeah, still an odd time. Yeah, I think it, it'd be interesting to sort of, I don't know, maybe delve into or look at or in a parallel universe see how many people would have actually left and gone to AEW had mm. Triple H still been where he was and, and maybe had some sort of bigger influence on the main roster, which this looks like he's going to have. You know, like would Adam Cole have gone to AEW or would he have just stayed in WWE? Um, but yeah, the Vince thing is, like we say, it's a bit of a weird one in that he's announced his retirement. Um, how that looks and how long that is kind of in place for is another story, is another kind of way to see how this unfolds. We're still incredibly early into this, so we kind of just need to see what it looks like. Um, it's very close to SummerSlam, so is it going to be, is there going to be some sort of, like, is it going to be visible? Is it going to be, could, will you be able to tell that Vince's fingerprints aren't on SummerSlam? You know, are certain things going to happen? And like you say, you know, these people like Kevin Owens, for example, the Triple H people, the people of the black and gold NXT era, which we're going to talk about today, like what's going to happen of them? What's going to, you know, what, what are the ways that things are going to go? Because Vince was still, even though we'd stepped back with the allegations and stuff, Vince was still in charge of creative. Whereas now it seems as though he's, he's off all duties. So then at that point, these silly creative decisions of things like, Let's call Pete Dunbutch. Let's do this and let's do it. Like, are we going to have a massive revert? Are we going to, is there going to be some sort of soft reset button that's going to be hit somewhere and things are just going to end up going backwards a little bit? Not backwards, but, you know, is it like, you know, is, Tom, is Tommaso going to get his first name back, mm. you know, and things like that. But it's it's a strange one. And we just have to kind of wait and see, on, see how it unfolds, I suppose. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got people like Sasha and Naomi who have obviously walked mm. out in the past few months 
And the big question there is, well, what was their main problem with? You know, I, I would imagine it was to do with a creative process and not really elevating the tag titles. So yeah. will they come back now that there's sort of a new regime, but then at the same time, there's not a huge new regime. It's not, it's not like um, football where you get a new manager and like a completely new coaching staff in. Mm. You know, it's still the core people that are still around. Because the, the weird one would be now Triple H is back as EVP of Talent Relations. Mm. What What is his view on NXT 2.0? Um, I mean, I feel like it would be a bit weird now to all of a sudden have black and gold NXT back. And I don't think some of the characters that they've got in 2.0 would actually fit black and gold NXT. No. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's just do let's just do our NXT because we could just sit and ponder and you know and all that kind of stuff. But good transition well, to talk about NXT. Then. This is it though. Segue. Um, so if you were listening to the last episode, you will know that Callum and myself are we're waiting to sort of launch our big summer project. Um, but we we don't want to do that without Ty. Um, Ty has told us this week that he's probably going to be on next week's. Um, so that's the one that we record on Saturday the 30th, so the same day as SummerSlam. So we're going to see what that looks like. We're going to see where we kind of go from there. And then, yeah, basically, me and Callum were kind of thinking up our ideas of what we can do this week to almost fill a gap. And we were going with top 10 wrestling themes, which is something that we spoke about. Um, and then, probably because it was my fault, uh, I was watching... So on Tuesday, to kind of put this into context, um, I was on a training day from home and I don't like, for, for whatever reason, I like the telly being on while I'm doing stuff. Just, you know, and obviously I wasn't listening to it because that would have been rude while I was on a team's call. And I just thought, what's the best thing I can watch on mute? And it was like, well, it's wrestling, isn't it? So I was watching like opening matches of takeovers. And I tweeted a video of the sequence from the Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano match from TakeOver 25. And I just said, and that was at that point where I said to Callum, why don't we do NXT TakeOver matches? Why don't we do a top 10 NXT TakeOver matches? And as you're going to tell by our lists, it was difficult to do. Um, But my list changed so much. We're going to do honourable mentions. Callum's got six. I've got 13 which is mental because it's just another list in itself. But as I said to Callum, I basically started with the first takeover, went through, wrote down matches that first and foremost, fundamentally, I remembered because Mm. there's been so many that the minute you remember a match just by looking at the sort of the people in it and the event that it happened at, that should straight away be in a top 10 or at least on your list or your long list. Um, there were some that I'd definitely forgotten, like yeah, yeah. Byron Corbin and Bull Dempsey from one of them early on. Um, but there are so many great matches in this and so many that I can't believe aren't in my top 10. But it's just the way that the cookie crumbled. Um, the one thing that I wanted to mention is when I went on the Wikipedia, this made me quite sad. It says NXT TakeOver was a series of periodic wrestling events. Oh, straight to the heart. Maybe straight like next week heart. where it says Neighbours was an Australian soap. Oh. 
Oh, I just heard it groan from outside the room as well. Oh. The TakeOver series came to an end following TakeOver 36 in August 2021, as in September, NXT was restructured as NXT 2.0, with the brand's succeeding events no longer carrying the TakeOver name. So, yeah, we're, we're talking an era here. We're talking a very solid piece of time in wrestling where I was so looking forward to every single time that yeah. Saturday TakeOver before a Sunday mm-hmm. pay-per-view. Even was, even like the the Thursday night takeovers, yeah, yeah, during yeah. like the really early like full sale mm. days, um, it felt, it felt so odd to have a, a not necessarily a pay per view, but a, a special beyond you know midweek. Yeah, and then even Dallas was a Friday. A Friday, yeah, yeah, because they did the Hall of Fame on the Saturday. Um, yeah, right. Do you want to do yours first, or shall I do mine first? I think we're just going, you know. In, in order, maybe you do one out and I'll do one in terms of the honorable mentions. Yeah, I've got 13, but yeah, well, yeah. So, my first honorable mention. So, if you imagine my list, this would essentially be number 23 on my list, mm. would it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the kind of way it's still kind of ranked that way. So, when you get to what would be 11, you know that it was close to being in the top 10. Mm. Um, so the first one to mention, so again, this would be number 23, Finn Bauer and Kevin Owens ladder match take over Brooklyn 1. Yeah. Great match. Absolutely what? great match. Not the best match on the show. But... We got in a match. Oh, see, it happens already. Callum just face-palmed. And then I thought, what's happened here? Has my microphone cut out? And he said, no, he's forgotten a match. And I think he's forgotten the match that I'm kind of alluding to. <laughs> Calm's going to change his list. As <laughs> this happens on the film podcast. Whenever we do a top 10, like we did musicals, and Holly started us off, and she was like, right, my number 10 is South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. And me and Ollie both just went, oh, my God, how have we not put South Park in? <laughs> Uh, so Callum is might might scrappily change his list, but as I tweeted yesterday, I'm I'm still looking at this and I'm thinking that's not right. That's not, <laughs> but it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, I, I, do you want to work through? Your, do you want me to keep going so then you can? No, no, no. I, I, I've I think <laughs> I've just taken out one of my top ten okay. very quickly. Okay. Um. So one of my honourable mentions um, is the fatal four-way match. I think at the second takeover between mm-hmm. Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze, and Tyson Kidd. Yeah. So I think this is roughly like one of like the first takeovers I remember watching, because um, they used to be shown on Sky mm-hmm. in the really early days before it moved over to the network. Um, yeah, just to be honest, I didn't really know anything about any of these four. Well, I, I knew something about Tyson because obviously he'd been on the main roster with him. Um, uh, D.H. Smith, mm-hmm. um, not a bookseller. Future is uh, continental champion. And yeah, and it's just a, a really good match and a, and a good a sort of introduction to the brand. Yeah. Um, no, I really enjoyed that one. Not on my list, though. Not on my own mentions. Okay. Um, I do have one that is that early. Somewhere. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, another one. American Alpha versus The Revival from uh, TakeOver Dallas uh, is an honourable mention. Now, I, I love that match. 
Yeah. I loved watching it live because I loved Dow for getting the titles. But it just, it, oh, this is what I mean, Callum. There's going to be so many here now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the matches we're going to talk about are great. What more can we say about them? Um, while I'm on Dallas, mm. before you do your next one, this is one that I feel like is going to be in your top 10 and is only an honorable mention for me. Shinsuke and Sami Zayn. Oof. Yeah. That's that's not just in my top ten. Oh, it's Ooh. it's a bit hard. It's in Ooh. in my top five. Oh my god! Yeah, well, no, might be I'm getting bumped down. But what about newer entries? <laughs> no, I really really enjoyed it. But then, oh, it was just the way that my, basically I knew straight off what my number one was going to be. Yeah, and then. From the there were kind of ones as I was going along where I was like, right, well, that means you're number two, right? Well, that means you're number three. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna get a feel of the matches that I like as soon as we get into my top ten. Yeah. So what, what's your next one then, Colin? So one that um has sadly been bumped from being number 10 to now being part of the honorable mentions is uh Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks from Takeover Unstoppable. Okay. Um, I remember obviously the fatal four way that the four horsewoman had at one of the previous takeovers being really good yeah. and sort of being gravitated more towards the Sasha and Becky characters in the early days. So, and it was just, just good to see Be- Becky because Be- Becky is until the man character came around, she was always sort of like the fourth person or at least within NXT days because obviously Sasha held the title, Charlotte held the title. And Bailey held the title, so Becky was sort of the the outsider out of those four. Yeah. It's just good to see her have a have a singles match and such a high quality singles match as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of matches from that time period where you were talking about the initial sort of four horsewomen mm. that they were really showing what they could do. They were surprising everybody. And then that kind of was, I would say, was the catalyst of this Divas revolution. Mm. And then it was like, well, look at what the women are doing. Look at what the women are doing on NXT. Like, how how are you having matches like that on NXT? But then tiny, tiny disappointing matches on the main roster with the females that are on the main roster. You know, how does this, how does that work out in the same company, essentially? Um, I'm just numbering my honorable mentions so I can kind of give everyone a bit of context about where matches are and all that kind of stuff. Um, So 18, 19, 20. Right. So my number 20, I think is the match that Callum is trying to fix his list for. uh, And that's Bailey versus Sasha Banks from the first take, uh, from takeover Brooklyn. Um, and I, I will be honest, when I remembered about it, not, not, not when I remembered about it, but when I was kind of going through, I thought this would end up in my top 10. Okay. And then all of a sudden, it just went lower and lower and lower and lower. And yeah, yeah. It's a number 20. Okay. But I still want so to mention it, you know. Still a good match. Still a good match. Um, um, what I will say as well, actually... Um, is it this is what I said to you, Callum? Um, I'm writing down um, all the people that we mention. I'm not going to do it for the honorable mentions. No, um, do it for the top ten. Yeah, 
but any but wrestlers that we mention, I'm going to write down, and then we'll see who appears the most across both of our lists. Um, okay. Next one. So I've got one that might be in your top ten. Okay. Um, from NXT Takeover Chicago, Tyler Bate versus uh, Pete Dunne. My number nineteen is Tyler okay. Bate versus Pete Dunne. Well, that's, that's good. Over Chicago. You can, you can talk about that then. But again, I I thought it would have made my top ten, mm. and it's again ju- because there was there was a decision that we made, Callum, mm. on I want to say Wednesday or Thursday, where I said to you, "Are we including NXT UK takeovers?" And you said, "Yeah." And at that point, I had three matches that I had to find a space for two of which that have ended up in the top 10, one of which has ended up out. But then at that point, it's bumped other matches out. So, yeah. yeah. That's where we are with that one. Um, My number 18, a match that, if I'm honest, I remember watching live and I remember saying to my mate, I thought that was going to be better than that. Um, But I watched it again this week and it is a good match. But again, it just ended up being bumped down. Johnny Gargano and Ricochet from Takeover Phoenix. See, I don't remember a lot of that match. It's really odd. Like mm. when it was announced, it was it just was like, oh, this is going to be great. And yet, it was it was a weird feud because Gargano had obviously just turned heel, mm. and it just it was good. But I don't think it clicked as much as other uh, matches featuring Gargano or Ricochet did. I think this is the issue. I think that a lot of us had, had seen the match, seen it be announced, and then mm. just went, well, this is going to be great. And then it was still a very good match, but I think we just expected more big spots. And I mean, we're saying that when, like, Ricochet did a hurricane runner to Gargano over the top rope and then onto the floor. But mm. then he's still saying, like, oh, yeah, we, we expect bigger things. Um, one match that I think... I can stand back and look at and go, that's a really great match, but it's just not one of my favourites, is quite possibly... If you if, if, a, if a sports journalist was putting this list together, yeah. it, would, it would make the top five. Johnny Gargano again versus Andrade Almas from TakeOver Philadelphia. Yeah, I've got that in my top 10. That, so that's my number 17. Yeah. It's a great match, mm. you know, for, for those who listen to Meltzer's star ratings, it got five stars from him. Mm. Um, but I think it's just not up there with my favourites because I think this is the difference in that I can look at a match, very similar to films, in that I can look at a match, I can look at a film and go, that's a really good film, that's a really good match. There are some matches, there are some films that I'm not going to go back and watch again, but mm. I know that they're great. So, like, the film example that I always give is 12 Years a Slave. It's a very good film. It's a very well-made film. I ain't watching it again because I don't want to give up two hours of my life to be mm-hmm. depressed, um, ultimately. But with this one, it's like, yeah, that's a great match, but it, it doesn't have the, the high spots, the tension, the, 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 the things that I watch matches for and go mm. back to matches for. Really, and again, you'll see that through my list. Um, have you got on Calm? Yeah, I've got um, Neville versus Zane at I think it was our evolution. 
And I've just thought of another match, which I'll include in my honourable mentions. But ne Neville Zane was obviously Zane's crowning as the NXT champion. And you had that, uh, you know, just really nice ending until Owens decided to come out and powerbomb Zane, which sort yeah. of led to the next story. But everything that was sort of on the line for Zane in it as well, if he'd lost, he would have just left NXT. And it was just, it was just a really, just a standout match. Because again, it was just, it was beginning for my first introduction to NXT. Mm -hmm. And I remember a friend in sixth form, who's also a wrestling fan. And he was like, is it, is it TakeOver tonight? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And he was a big um, Kevin Owens fan because he'd watched him on the indies. Yeah. And, you know, he was looking forward to his debut. And I was like, oh yeah, I think Neville Zane's going to be quite good as well. And we both watched it and, you know, thought it was a really good pay-per-view. And that match in particular just was a standout match. Um, I'll add the other one I've just remembered, typically. Mm. Um, uh, Finn Balor versus Neville from, I think it was the, did that match even happen or is that just me making oh, it Oh, it up? did. It was a number one contenders match, I think. That was definitely on a takeover, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember seeing it on the list when I was going through. Um, I think it was... Was it the takeover in February? Yeah. February 2015 takeover? On our evolution... Yeah, Finn teamed with Itami against the Ascension. Yeah, I think it was Finn's second takeover where he faced Neville. Yes, that sounds right. Yeah, um, but I mean that was a really good match as well. Mm. Um, speaking of Finn, mm. uh, my number sixteen, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly from NXT Takeover Thirty One. Um, okay. Now I I've said this on this podcast before. I'm not a fan of like technical matches. And I knew this was going to be technical, but they absolutely battered each other. Yeah. Um, and it was just one that, like, I, I don't think I have any other memory of a match where the two people in it, after it happened, went away for a month because no. they both had to recover. Mm. And I just, and that, I was just like, oh my God. Like, and this was the match that immediately put Kyle in that upper echelon of NXT. Yeah. Where, as you'll see from my list, he appears a lot, but in tag team matches. Mm. And he'd always been that guy. He'd always been the tag team guy in UE. Because then even when Fish came back and he stopped teaming with Strong, they put Strong in the NXT North American division. So it's like Kyle was always the tag team guy. And then eventually they just went, we're going to take a shot on him. We're going to give him this main event spot. And he ran with it, you know. Yeah, um, and to be honest, probably should have had a run as NXT champion. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think after Cole had left and after they did their rivalry, he should have mm. been up there. Um, maybe even winning it when Tommaso won it, you know. Yeah. But then the, he ended his time in NXT with Von Wagner. around The, the rebranding of NXT really hurt Kyle. I mean, it, it hurt a lot as well. It, yeah. it hurt a lot of others as well. But Kyle had just found that momentum as a single star. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the relaunch of NXT yeah. just made him go from main event to mid-card tag team. Yeah. Um, how many more have you got? Uh, I've got uh, four more. Right, well, I'll do one and then we'll, we'll kind of take it in turns then because I think okay. that'll fit. Um, so, I guess, still on the Kyle O'Reilly train. Uh, number 15 for me would have been uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong mm. versus Danny Burch and Oni Larkin from TakeOver Chicago 2. 
Now, okay. I remember this match being, first and foremost, a string of takeovers start with very strong tag team title matches. Mm. And they are all great. And I've got the majority of them in this list somewhere along the way. Um, this is great. And I remember going into this one thinking, well, I'm not really bothered because I don't really know who Owen Larkin and Danny Birch are. I don't really care mm. about them. And this match changed my mind on both of them. Yeah. Um, in that Oni is a solid worker. Danny, for lack of a better phrase or what I'm about to say, always looked like the guy that they'd got in to be a bit of a jobber, to be mm. a bit of a kind of like, he's here to put someone over. But this was the time where actually you saw them both work really well and they worked yeah. with really well as well. Um, so that one would have made my list. Um, go on, Colin. Uh, Adam Cole versus Alistair Black from NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. I think that was a, I think that was a street fight. Right. I just remember it being just absolutely brutal. Yeah. You know, and, and like we've almost got used to street fights or no-hold-bars matches on the main roster to be, you know, steel chairs, a couple of kendo sticks now and then. This one just felt like a, an all-out brawl. Yeah. And it just absolutely, it was, it was incredible, really, to watch. And I just remember, like, the next night, Adam Cole walking out at the Royal Rumble and having his rip, his ribs taped up. I thought, hey, he was in a match last night. And it was just like, I'm trying to remember, it was one spot where, similar to when Homer fell on, like, the, the fire hydrant, where his back just folded over the chair. Yeah. And it was yeah, so yeah. painful to watch. Yeah. And and then, like, the next night, he was in the Royal Rumble. And I was like, thinking, how is he even standing? Just... Absolute insanity. Um, Segway, Adam Cole. Oh. Um, Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano from Takeover 25. Okay. My number 14. Um, yeah, it, is, it was a great match, and I watched it again the other day. Because I, I honestly think that the, the first two matches that these two had were mm. better than the last one. Because yeah. I would say the last one, the two out of three falls, three stages of hell thing that they did, I think it jumped the shark a little bit. It got a little bit silly, mm. but it was like the third fall is going to be this cage that's got massive weapons in it. Yeah, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, next one, um, Office of Pain versus Roderick Strong and Pete Dunn versus Colin O'Reilly from Takeover New Orleans. The, so the obviously, switch. Yeah. We're going to talk, well, at least I'm going to talk about a North American ladder match later on, which Alan mentioned on Twitter. He did. Um, Cole was basically going to going back to back because of Fisher's injury. And I think, I, I mean, I was rooting for Cole and O'Reilly being a, a UE fan. And just, just having, um, you know, strong just stomp on, on Dunn's back and then hit a bitter end was such uh it was it was just a shock really you know it looked like strong and Dunn were going to win and then all of a sudden you had roddy turn heel and align himself with undisputed era which sort of dominated nxt from that period of time until really until they sort of split up like yui was such a, a focal point of nxt for for two years and to be honest i think they were better with strong in the group without than they were without strong beforehand. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, because I was I was thinking about where strong fits in. Mm. I was a bit like, is this gonna work? And it and it did, you know. Um, I'm glad you mentioned about Alan 
talking about it on Twitter because I just wanted to mention um, Patrick Heafield who tweeted and said, um, so many great ones to pick. Top of his pile would be Gagano Champa from New Orleans, um, which I have to admit isn't on the list <clears throat> and isn't in my honourable mentions. Um, so you've, you've done a, a Sasha Bailey? I think I remembered it, but for whatever reason, it just didn't go in. Um, yeah. Don't worry, you'll be pleased with me, Patrick. I've got it in. Okay. See, Calm's the man of the people. I am. Adam's the one who's got just a load of obscure matches that people don't <laughs> remember that happening. Rusev versus Xavier Woods. Yes, exactly. Uh, my number 13, one that I'm a bit, a bit gutted that I didn't get in, mainly because I was the... Um, Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin from NXT TakeOver UK UK TakeOver um, Blackpool 2 um, yeah I, I, there was there was three matches one from TakeOver Blackpool 2 one from TakeOver Blackpool one from TakeOver Cardiff the TakeOver Blackpool 2 didn't make my thingy even though I was there um, so yeah just a good match just another yeah. good match and even more so and this has got nothing against Bate or Devlin that it was, it was raised the kind of atmosphere and tension when we all realised that from where we were sat, we could see where Triple H and William Regal had suddenly appeared and sat down. And we mm. were like, oh my God, Triple H in Blackpool. Like, yeah. <laughs> Go on Pleasure Beach. Go on Pleasure Beach. Get, on, get it done. <laughs> Got a candy floss. <laughs> a bag of them donuts. <laughs> uh, right, what's your next one, Colm? So this one, it, it wasn't on a takeover, but at the same time, it wasn't on a regular episode of NXT. It's the halftime heat match oh. between Champa Cole and Gargano against Alistair Black, Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. So I have, I have zero interest in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Absolutely zilch. But I just remember waking up on the Monday morning, knowing that the Super Bowl had sort of happened. And putting on the network and like thinking, well, I'm going to catch up with this because it's only going to be 15, 20 minutes because of it being during the halftime show. And I thought, I'm just going to watch it now. And I was just completely blown away by it because it, it just felt like an, an absolute sprint. It felt it felt like they had the big screen on behind them with, with the Super Bowl match. They thought that we're going to have a wrestling match whilst I think it may have been Beyonce and Shakira or something were doing a halftime show. We're going to have a match whilst they're singing their greatest hits and we're going to perform our own greatest hits. And it was just an all-out, not, not an all-out war because it was obviously a six-man tag, but it was just everything happened so quickly. It just flowed really well. Yeah. No, I I, I didn't consider that match. It's a really good match. And like you say, it was a sprint. Um, yeah. And I love a good sprint, you know. Wow. Um, right, we're nearly there. Number 12. War Raiders versus the Undisputed Era from TakeOver Phoenix. So, okay. again, another one of these tag matches that I'm talking about. Really, really solid opening to the show. Um, a lot of big spots in this. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Next one, Colm. I think this may be in your top 10. Ooh. I'm going to say, for, for safety's sake, this finished 11th. Although I've sort of just mixed my honourable mentions all as one. Okay. But because, because you look at me in a disgraced way <laughs> I'll say it's 11th just to please you uh, Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain from TakeOver Brooklyn yeah just, it was it was another 
as you were saying, it just seemed like TakeOver's kicked off with a solid tag team match, nine times out of ten featuring Undisputed Era. And it just it just clicked instantly. As soon as as soon as the match started, you knew it was going to be special. And I think I, I'm desperately trying to remember because Mustache Mountain obviously won the titles during like the NXT championship tapings mm-hmm. um back in June of that year. Yeah. Had Colin uh, not Cole, had, had Fish and O'Reilly got the titles back before this takeover? Yeah, they won them back at an episode of NXT where Bait threw in the towel for uh, for Trent Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I'll be honest, it's not on my list and it's not on my honorable mentions. Now, I really, really like it. Mm. Um I watched it again the other day, but I, I think I was more of a fan of the match that happened on the NXT show. Mm. Um because they they had this sort of this idea looming over where Bait had thrown the towel in on behalf of Seven. Mm. But then they did a, a spot similar in this match where Seven was gonna throw in the towel for Bait. So there was a lot of kind of like yeah, we've done these matches before. They're very, very similar. We're going to try and repeat a lot of these spots and all that kind of stuff. So I, thought, I think it laboured it a little bit. Mm. But yeah, it just it didn't make it. The one match that even looking at it now, I'm like, how are you not in my top 10? But I'm not changing it. It's going to have to stay where it is. Number 11, Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa from Stand and Deliver. It was just a great match. Mm-hmm. And I was very close to calling it as my favourite match of that year. Mm-hmm. But there's another match that's in my top 10 that is from the same show. Okay. So we won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. No, right. I feel like on these podcasts, I usually talk first and then you go, well, I don't really have much else to say. But I feel like... I'm going to forgo me being the first person to reveal their number one. So I'm going to go first, and then you can reveal your number one last. Okay, that's good to me. Right. Yeah. So my number 10, we're into the official list now, people. I know it's been a while, but we're into the official list. My number 10, War Games. Mm. Pete Dunn, Ricochet, War Raiders. United, uh, Undisputed Era. Um, again, I watched this the other day and it is a mixture of absolute carnage. And again, I said this last week, I like a good carnage match. Mm-hmm. Um, and high spots, Ricochet doing a double moonsault. Like, what is that about? Mm-hmm. Like, even doing one moonsault is mad enough, but the fact that you flip yourself backwards twice, what are you doing, man? And just the emotion of, like the heel team getting the advantage, which is the way that it works best in war games. Um, then locking Pete Dunn into his cage so he can't get out. Just absolute great. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. And I it had to stick in. It was it was moving around a lot. Mm. And I thought, is this one that's gonna get end up getting bumped out? And I was like, no, this can be my number 10. And it is, it's my number 10. What's your number 10, Carl? Uh from NXT Takeover Brooklyn. Gonna get the year wrong. Um, I think it was uh, 2018, so Brooklyn Four. Yeah. Um, Adam Cole versus Ricochet for the North American title. Just an absolute barn burner. The the one spot that I remember is, and for some reason I just remember spots where like the body just goes in a direction where it probably shouldn't do. 
where, where Ricochet went for a moonsault and just told, just absolutely picture-perfect, super-kicked him in mid-air. Yeah. And it's just a, a spot that sort of lives rent-free in my head whenever I think of that match. Like, I, I was doing this list, and I thought, well, i got to have Cole Ricochet in this list somewhere just because I remember Ricochet just hand-springing off the, off the rope, moonsault, and then just, bam, super-kick. And I think it was just it was just how it's just if you try and picture it, you think how did they get that so perfect? And it was just the crowd's reaction to it because it was like, oh god, he's going to do it. He's going to he's going to super kick him. And then when he did, just the whole crowd erupted. And it's the problem of watching takeovers in the past live on a Saturday night would be being like half two or three a.m. marking out for spots. And that was like a spot where I like almost flew off my bed at, and I thought. I probably shouldn't because it's three o'clock. I need to be up in a few hours. So I'll just like go, oh, wow. Yeah. And <laughs> hold my head. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, so I'll say for now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number nine, NXT UK Takeover Cardiff. Not that one. <laughs> Not Tyler Bate and Walter, although I got very close. Um. But Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster versus Gallus versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, mm. What a triple threat tag team match. And the, the final sequence of this match with the close fall and another close fall and another mm. close, so good. And then the emotion of the people in the arena as well and just getting behind it and getting in for it. What a great match. Absolutely fantastic triple threat tag match. And this is what I mean about you're beginning to understand the matches that I like mm. in that for whatever reason, when a multi-man match is done well, I absolutely love it. And yeah. so far, my two have been some form of a tag team match. That's just going to keep going throughout my top 10. So, yeah, great match. Absolutely great match. What's your nine, Callum? So my number nine is the fatal four-way match between Sasha Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky. And um, this, this for me was sort of my first realization of how talented all four of these female wrestlers were, and because of what we were seeing on the main roster at the time of seeing, um, sort of Nikki Bella, nothing against her at all, but Divas matches not really going like going three or four minutes, and them not getting the same opportunity that the wrestlers on NXT were. Because it just it just felt like it was a completely different show. And yes, mm. it was, but it felt like it was a completely different company that were running the women's roster on, on Raw and SmackDown. And then what was happening in NXT, it just felt like it was just, a, just two different things completely. And I, I, I never really thought that women's wrestling, this isn't me being sexist at all but because of what was happening on the main roster I never really thought that women's wrestling would be treated seriously and it was never going to be that good you know it, it was always for me just a skippable moment of the show I could walk out the room for a few minutes when I was watching I don't know Alicia Fox versus Melina I knew I could walk out the room but what they were doing in NXT felt like you had to watch it and this match was really like the first time where my eyes were sort of glued on how yeah, incredible they were in ring. Yeah, yeah. This again, like we we spoke about it a little bit before, the difference at the time between the output of NXT and the output of the main roster with the women's divisions mm. 
it just told you that there was somebody in that company who could book a women's division. Mm. And for some reason, it just wasn't the main roster product at that time. Yeah. And thankfully now, we're more in that kind of period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. My number eight. Again, similar matches here. Mm. Um, War Raiders versus Alistair Black and Ricochet from NXT TakeOver New York. Great match. This ended up being Alistair Black and Ricochet's NXT Swan Song. Mm. This was where they went to the main roster and they, they appeared at WrestleMania as well the night after. Yeah. And this was a culmination of the Dusty Classic because Alistair mm. Black and Ricochet won the Dusty Cup and they face in War Raiders here for the tag titles. Absolutely phenomenal match. Just like War Raiders. I was lucky enough to see War Raiders and Ricochet actually on the same WCPW show the summer before they signed with NXT. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously then they were war machine. Um, and mm. they had a they, they they came out, you know, they were tag team champions and they were causing havoc everywhere, and they were like well, this isn't just any match. This is a war machine rules match, which means that there are no rules. And they just wrestled all over the bloody place. Um, there was even a point where then known as um, Hansen, Warbeard mm. Hansen, he went to do his sort of Bronco Buster in the corner. Mm. Um, I think it was Tark and Aslan moved out of the way and mm. he hit the bottom rope and the rope broke. Um, and they, they, they did the rest of the match with a with broken mm. bottom rope. Um, and it was just mental. So I was really, really excited to see all of them in NXT. And this match is is just up there with one of my favourite matches of all time. Um, and I, I could go back and watch it now. Great. Absolutely yeah. great. Absolutely. I, I remember um, watching this match with a friend because um, I went around to his house for that year's Mania. Yeah. And my friend's dad sort of walked in when we were watching this match. And he didn't laugh but he, he sort of smiled through it because he, he sort of walked in and watched wrestling in the past yeah but he, he sort of like walked in put his head around the door and he actually like sat down for a few minutes to watch the match and <laughs> um, so that's my sort of lasting memory of watching watching that match it was such a, a good match and obviously i mean ricochet and black fitted really well as a tag team you know it it was what you usually get out of um dusty cups where you've got two single stars who may not be doing that much, they just chuck them together and they just yeah. click instantly. Um, and like we were talking about this at the start of the show of you know wrestlers that we want to get pushed now. There may be a different um, different idea and a different form of creative. Ricochet and War Raiders are three three people who flourished under Triple H and NXT, and mm -hmm. I'd love to see them flourish again on the main roster. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, what's your number eight, Calm? Right. I've done some rejigging here. So cool. on my list, I've got my number 10, which was Cole Ricochet. And then above that is my number six because I've been <laughs> rejigging it so much. So my number eight is Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. Um, now, I believe because I had so many, I sort of forgot which one it was. Um, right. I, I believe it was from NXT TakeOver New York. So the 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 vacant NXT title, the vacant NXT title one, so yeah. the one from 2019, because obviously Champa got injured. Yeah. Um, and then it was sort of done as a tournament in a way, because Gargano was put through mm -hmm. automatically because he was going to face Champa anyway. 
and then and then they just had um Cole win like a fatal four-way match or something. Yeah. And it was because I was looking forward to Gargano and Chamber because of the story behind those two. I was happy that it was Cole Gargano, but at the same time I was thinking, well, I sort of wish Champa was there because it was going to be his big, his big moment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean the match in general, Cole and Gargano, it, again, it just clicked. And because we hadn't seen it in NXT, it felt like a it felt like a treat. It felt like that that dream match that we knew that we were going to see as soon as Cole debuted, but it was it was really well laid out to where they waited a really long time. Like Cole debuted in um, 2017, around the summertime time of 2017. And we had to wait basically a year and a half until we actually saw that match. Whereas now, perhaps even on the main roster, if someone debuted and you wanted that dream match, they'd throw it together in the space of a few months. They, they gave it a build in a way that, it, it would just build up the anticipation for them to have a match against one another. And obviously it led into their feud, which you know, spanned four or five months. But I mean, this was the first match. And it, because I didn't really have as much expectation going into it, it didn't surprise me because they're great wrestlers, obviously. But it still sort of took me off guard at how good it was. Because mm. their, 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 their style sort of meshed really well together. It just, it just was... Not not perfect. That's the wrong way to put it. But it just it just blew my mind really of how how good it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I totally agree. Did you get that on a on like a theme quiz once? What was that? Didn't didn't one of our um, didn't Alan do like a theme quiz on takeovers? And you yeah. were like, oh, was it no? Was it the New Orleans theme or something? Because it was letting us say match. Yeah. Which, we were just which like, takeover? Gargano call. <laughs> which one? <laughs> which one? <laughs> All of them. Um, so my number seven, segue again, Adam Cole and Ricochet from Takeover Brooklyn 4. Okay. Because uh, again, I watched this the other day, so it's very fresh in my mind. Mm. Number of massive spots, including the one that you mentioned before, the super kick into the moon soul. Mm. Um, weirdly, whenever I see... Sheamus and Riddle and the moonsault into a broad kick spot. Yeah. I just think of Cole and Ricochet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't really have anything else to say about it because I think you, you kind of summed it up perfectly before, Callum, that this is a great match. And I think even more so for me, being a Ricochet fan, mm-hmm. the sort of icing on the kick being him winning the North American title at that point as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your seven, Callum? I was, by the way, I was sold that Cole was going up on the main roster. Oh, yeah. As soon as he lost that title, oh, cool, he's going up to Raw. Because I think, and this is where takeovers and SummerSlams take a weird turn, because it was obviously Brooklyn 4. I tried to think, what year was that? Okay, 2018. And I think from memory, that was the year that Braun had money in the bank Mm. in 2018. And obviously he was facing Kevin Owens. And I was thinking, Undisputed Era are going to come out and help Owens to defeat Braun. And for some reason, that just got in my head. And when Braun beat Owens and Cole stayed on NXT, all of my dreams had been um, squashed. Um, but my number seven was included in your honourable mentions, and that's Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas from TakeOver uh, Philadelphia. Um, 
being the Gargano fan that I think both of us are, mm. I was rooting for Gargano in the match. I mean, I, I'd enjoyed Andrade's title reign, but it, it weirdly felt that he wasn't the main draw to watch NXT at that time. It felt like, obviously, you had Undisputed Era just developing, and then you had Gargano being pushed as the main babyface of the show. And then even you had, you know, Drew debut around, you know, Drew, Drew was, was injured, I believe, you know, just before that time. And, and Andrade had beaten him for the title. But it just didn't feel that Andrade was necessarily treated as a big deal because of what he'd also come through being an NXT, being a babyface that just didn't click. Um, but him as a, as a heel champion, just it fit him really well. Yeah. But this was like the match that sold me to him. Now, obviously, him and Gargano had a match at, I think, uh, TakeOver Brooklyn uh, 3, which was like when when Zelina threw in the DIY shirt to Gargano, who, yeah. who looked stunned. Was that not in the Philadelphia match? No, I think that was in... They had two. They had one at Brooklyn, I'm pretty sure. Brooklyn 3 in 2017. They did, they did have... They had two. I remember them having to... I'm um, actually confusing it. But yeah, but I mean, this one was just... Because it was for the world title it felt like the drama and the intensity notched up. And I think the expectation for me was that Gargano was going to beat Almas. Yeah. And then you'd have Gargano and Champa for the title at New Orleans. That just felt more of the natural progression because you knew that Gargano Champa would main event and Andrade wouldn't. So Andrade winning was a surprise. But I mean, the near falls and everything in this match and just, just the whole drama. I remember um, uh, Andrade hitting like, the double knees to Gargano and Gargano's head. Uh, slammed into the into the ring post. Yeah, and then now I think I think Andrade pretty much won from that point, and like hit like the draping DDT and won. And then post match you had seeming like a send off for Gargano, which felt odd because then you had because you had Candice come out and sort of console him, and then all of a sudden you saw Candice turn around and then Champa just came out of nowhere with his crutch and just smashed Gargano over the back. Yeah, and. Whilst it was a moment that I sort of expected, um, it was still just, just a cool moment for then that feud to, to take over again. No pun intended. Yeah, 100%. Right. Number six. A recent one. Probably the most recent one in my top ten, I think. Um, MSK. Grizzled Young Veterans. Mm. Legado del Fantasma. From Stand and Deliver. The three-way. Which, mm. as I said, should have been, been a ladder match. Should have been a ladder match, as mm. I kept saying at the time. Should have been a ladder match. If that was a ladder match, I think it'd be up there with my number one. Mm. Um, but I loved it because again, it was a multi-man match that was done right. All six guys went for it. They absolutely delivered, um, and again, just really, really enjoyed it. More, I think the thing that was surprised me the most is I, and I'm assuming many other people during the pandemic era, were taken out of it a little bit. Mm. In that, I need a crowd. I need a crowd to react to certain things, for sort of, to be a catalyst for my own enjoyment, because a crowd pop gets me going, and, you know, whatever it is. So, Thunderdome era stuff, I'd struggle to say to you, I really enjoyed that match from the Mm -hmm. Thunderdome era. But, Thankfully, with NXT, there was still a little bit of a crowd. Yeah. So there was still a little bit of something there. Um, but these guys just, yeah, absolutely delivered. 
And it's an absolute dying and crying shame what they're doing with GYV at the minute with NXT, yeah. being Rip Flower and Jagger Reed. Yeah. Um, someone actually posted a picture the other day, and I hope this isn't the way that they go with it, of the formerly known Zach Gibson stood in the way that he stands without his beard, because, you know, they've shaved his beard off, mm. his bald head and his contact lens in, and saying... He actually looks like he could be Kane's son with that contact lens in. Please, God, do not go down that route. Please, please, please do not go down that route. But that's my number six. What's yours, Cal? Um, Another one that appeared in your honourable mentions, uh, the Revival versus American Alpha from TakeOver Dallas over WrestleMania 32 weekend. So I watched, I saw this match on on a house show. Um, at like the, the takeover events, the you know the house events that they were doing in December 2015. Yeah. So so I've seen how how well these two teams gelled, and when when they announced this match takeover Dallas, I thought, I wonder if it'll be as good as that the house show match because the house show match wasn't like your traditional house show where where it just be five ten minutes a little bit of comedy here and there. They had a all out wrestling match which was you know remarkable to watch it's probably one of the the better matches i've seen live as well um so when, when they'd announced this for takeover dallas i thought it's, it's gonna be good i guess but i mean i've already seen it and i just remember being up in the morning like at five or six a.m watching it and almost being out of breath just watching the match mm. because of how how just remarkable it was and honestly i thought oh tag wrestling's probably not gonna get much better than this and then a few months later diy turned up and sort of blew this match completely out of the water. Because I think I would have got either a similar match or exactly the same match as you did. Because mm. I went to the Sheffield NXT show mm. in 2015. Um, we actually ended up with um, a guy trying to run in and rush the ring during that match. Mm. Um, thankfully, the Revival didn't get hold of him because they would have absolutely battered yeah. him. Um, he managed to hop over a security guard, though. This was the issue, in that mm. this one security guard had no idea what was going on, and then he got a barking. Uh, <laughs> Part of the show. <laughs> um, okay, top five. Top five. And, again, another mention for a tag team that have now appeared three times on my list, the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, this is the highest of my NXT UK takeover matches. And this is the opening match of NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 1, GYV versus Mustache Mountain. Mm. Now, I thought, surely, if they're crowning the first ever NXT UK Tag Team Champions, it's going to be Bait and Seven. And I was more shocked than anyone that they put them on GYV. But the one spot that I remember so vividly from this match is that kind of doomsday device suicide dive spot where I think Gibson had bait on his shoulders and then, or he might have even been seven, and Drake ran from the ring, suicide dive into one of the Mustache Mountain, right off, and it was just absolutely insane. But what a great match. Absolutely fantastic match. What a way to start off a takeover. Um, Because I'll be honest, I think the main events of the takeovers, excluding bait and... Walter, I think the the Dunn coffee match and then the Walter coffee match 
were weaker in terms of the other matches that were on the cards. Yeah. Because I think with Blackpool 1, you had this ex- excellent tag match. You had Bala Devlin. Mm. And then you go to take over Blackpool 2 and you had the Fatal 4-Way ladder match. And you had Bait uh, yeah, and Devlin. Um, so, again, just an absolute great match. But that's the highest I've got for NXT UK. Okay. Um, and that's my number five. So what's your number five, Calm? Um, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura from over Dallas. He's I'm back again. Him. Yeah, he's back again. Um, I knew a little bit about Nakamura um, because I'd watched his match against Styles at Wrestle Kingdom. That done yeah. a bit of, of fact filing on 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 him. Um, and obviously, I knew a fair amount about Sami because I'd been watching NXT for well over a year by then, and. I, I didn't really, even though I knew a bit about both of them, I didn't really expect it to be that good. Mm. And like, it, I'm not even sure if the crowd sort of did either. I mean, the crowd were, were excited to see Nakamura in an NXT ring, and they knew that that Sammy would deliver a good match because this was Sammy. You know, he he'd been out for what well, he, he did, did his shoulder in against Cena around May 2015. So he'd been out for the best part of seven, eight months because he, mm. he actually returned on those, on those um, on NXT those shows, house yeah. shows. And, and this was really his first big, big match. I mean, he had stuff against Samoa Joe. But, and it just, I, I can't really explain how good it really was. But, you know, like the fight forever chance that it got when they were just absolutely slamming each other. Because it didn't really feel like a Sammy match either. Like you had like his high spots where, he tried the, the DDT the DDT through like the ropes and got kicked. Yeah. And then obviously he did his dive over the top rope, but it felt more of a, a strong style match because of Nakamura's um own style. And just it just was absolutely brutal. And there was just times where I thought, oh, it's over, it's over, and then Zane would kick out or or Nakamura would kick out. Mm. And it's it's quite sad to think that Nakamura was on, on NXT for a year. And has now been in WWE for about six years overall. Crazy. And that's his and that's his best match. The first match he's had in the company is the match that everyone still remembers and nothing has topped it since. Yeah. Because it's it's easy to say this without seeing the alternatives, but I can't imagine anybody else who would have given Nakamura that good of a first match. No, at that um, time in NXT. Yeah. And I think. He was definitely the right pick, Sammy. And it was, a, again, it was his swan song from NXT because he was at Mania the night, uh, not the night after, but that weekend because mm-hmm. um, he was in the ladder match. So it was it was perfect end for Sammy and it was a perfect start for Shinsuke. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Number four. Getting up there now. NXT TakeOver New York. Walter versus Pete Dunne. Okay. What an absolute barn burner of just a brawl. Mm. Absolutely battering each other. And Walter, like, top rope powerbomb. Walter having to do a splash off the top to finally mm. put him away. Um, like, I I come across Walter in... I think, actually, I think the first time I ever heard of Walter was through WrestleCrate. Okay. When I used to get the wrestle crates, and I think he was the first T-shirt I'd got from a wrestle crate. 
And I was like, who the bloody hell's Walter? Who's this um, Walter chap? Who's this Walter chap? And then I think I, th- I must have seen him at a WCPW show or something, maybe a Defiant show. Mm. And then I'd got wind. And then the, I remember my mate coming with me again, the friend who doesn't watch wrestling. Mm. Um, but he, he basically, where they, where they had this Defiant show on, mm. he does first aid for him. So he okay. got us in gratis. Um, so we were basically like stood by the bar watching all these matches. And uh, it was Walter versus Will Ospreay. Mm. Um, and Osprey did his handspring dive onto the outside and Walter sort of dodged him. And I've still got the video on my phone. You just then hear her like echoing through, mm. the, through the building. Um, and I have never seen my mate move so fast as when we were stood near the merch tables, right, <laughs> where all the wrestlers were. And Walter appears... Shirt off still, trunk still on, sweating, going directly towards my mate because my mate stood in front of his merch table. I've never seen him move that quick. Um, and then I saw him again uh, a couple of times with progress. Like Amy, Amy said this on this one progress show that we went to where she again she's kind of fallen out of wrestling a little bit, mm. uh, but she'll go and watch progress with me because um, she, I don't know, she just feels like she needs to. Um, and we had Walter versus Ilya Dragunov, and she absolutely... That was the match where she fell in love with Ilya Dragunov. Um, she said, that man is so intense, and, like, you know, you can tell that he loves it, and I'm glad that he loves it, and I like how much he loves it. Um, and she was just like... She she tweeted, she said, you know, sometimes you don't want to mention that you're a wrestling fan, but today's one of those days where you do, because how can you not be after some of those matches that we saw today? Um but yeah, that's a massive segue away from Walter um, and Pete Dunn. But this was one of those like, shit, Walter's here. Walter's in WWE. Yeah. And this is what's going to happen now. Um, and yeah, you know, currently riding high as Gunther, um, an intercontinental champion. Uh, he's lost a shit ton of weight. Like mm. the picture that they keep putting on Twitter of what he looked like probably during this Pete Dunn match and what he looks like now. My God. My God, what a motivated guy that is. But, yeah, this is just a fantastic match. Bit of a bitter end, no pun intended, for Pete mm-hmm. Dunne's um, title reign. But, you know, it is what it is. And that's my number four. What's your number four, Cal? Um, It's a match that I definitely didn't forget. Oh. Um, until about 45 minutes ago. Um, Sasha Banks versus Bailey at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1. Yeah. Uh, it's just sensational if I go back to watch that pay-per-view I don't go back and watch Balor versus Owens and the ladder matches as good as that match was as, as you said in the honourable mentions it's the match that really begun it began the woman's evolution stroke revolution um, obviously we had stuff in the past with Sasha and Becky and the, and the fatal four-way a few months prior but I think this was the match that got everyone talking everyone knew that they were really good but then this was just the catalyst for what's followed the next seven years mm-hmm. and it's the match where you'll see it hopefully i know stuff's going on at the moment with sasha and whether she wants to come back or not that's up to her but um it's it's the match where in video clips in five six t- years time it will just be re-shown and re-shown and re-shown it was again it was just a revolutionary for, for that division and sort of NXT as a, as a whole because 
NXT at that time was more of a, I suppose it's more of a diehard thing to watch in 2015. It, and that, that takeover, because of it being in the Barclays Center, it was perhaps the first takeover that got eyes on that on the on its brand itself, mm. rather than just people tuning in now and then to watch it. It was it was oh, Jushin Thunder Live is going to be on this show, so we probably should watch it. Yeah. And then if you watch the whole show, you got obviously the ladder main event, and then this between these two, and then from there on in for for me, Phil, and this takeover of Brooklyn until I would say the last takeover that I watched, which was. Um, Stand and deliver. I'm adamant that that was the last takeover that I watched. Oh, that um, is... for that six-year period, takeovers felt like a must-see, and a lot of that is to do with the Bailey Sasha match. Yeah, just that spot of the reverse Rana off the top, like absolutely brutal, and I'm, I, I, you know, definitely not as as fascinating, but I'm glad they put it in the game. Because now I just give it to every guy that I make, just because yeah. I just think, oh, what a move, what an, what an absolute move. Um, okay, top three. Now I don't think my number three is going to be in your top three, but I think my one and my two are possibly exactly the same as yours. Okay, my number three. And if you've not seen this match, to Callum, to everybody listening, I want you to go back and check it out. Because it's Corbin I, versus Bull Dempsey, isn't it? Corbin versus Bull Dempsey. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's a massively underrated match. And I think it's just been forgotten about mm. over time. Tyler Breeze versus Sami Zayn from the first NXT TakeOver. Now, this was a number one contenders match for the NXT mm. title. And I remember at the time working at the cinema and there was a guy there called Tom, and Tom watched wrestling as well. And obviously, this was around the time where NXT had just started doing these takeovers and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And Tom said to me, did you watch that NXT takeover? Yeah, and I said, yeah. And we were talking about the matches, and I said, you know what, though? I think Tyler Breeze and Sami Zayn was the best match on the card mm. because they were so well matched with each other. They were so well versed against each other. There was a spot with a blue thunderbomb, which I remember, like, I remember yesterday, where it just looked beautiful with the way that it was done. Mm. And I think ultimately the reason why I love this match is because it allowed Tyler Breeze to show exactly the kind of solid worker that he was, that he never got to show on the main roster, that he only ever showed in NXT as a single star, and then again as a tag team with Fandango. And... I think, again, going into it, we all just assumed that Sammy was winning this because mm. it was Sammy and he was a big name. And then if he, was, if he wins number one contender, he can then go on and win the NXT title. But the fact that they had Breeze win sort mm. of threw everything out of the water. And it was like, all right, so now they're actually sticking with this homegrown guy. They're not just mm. putting everything on the indie guys. And this is an absolute, I would say, maybe not for Zane, although it does give you a good sense of what Zayn is like. But if you want a, a match that encompasses the what Tyler Breeze is capable of, you need to go and watch this match because it's a really, really good match. And I don't think enough people talk about it. So that's my number three, Breeze and Zayn from the first takeover. What's your number three, Callum? Just to say, if we were doing the theme uh, top ten list, Tyler Breeze would have featured on that list. It's his entrance theme, just yeah. just so catchy. 
It is catchy. Um, so my number three is the North American North American ladder match Ooh. between. Right, this is this is really where I'm almost certain I'm going to get someone wrong. All right, so, go on. I've I've got them written down. Go on. Right, so I can tell you Cole won. Yeah, that's an easy thing. I can also tell you that Ricochet was in the match. He was. I can also tell you that EC3 was around. Yeah. Killian Dane. Yeah. And there, I think it's the Velveteen Dream. Yeah. Is there a sixth guy? There was a sixth guy. Oh, no. No, it wasn't, because I think he was facing Black, wasn't he? You're I was going to say Lars Sullivan. It was Lars Sullivan. Okay. Five star Lars. You said that on a different podcast. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Five star Lars. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it was basically Alex the Black, but it was um, Andrade versus Black that year. Um, but I mean, wow. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the bladder matches. Not so the ones that we've recently seen it in the men's money in the bank this year, but I'm a fan of ladder matches where you've got people like Ricochet just flying around almost yeah. instantly and it just it just it was another sprint which kicked off a, in my opinion the best takeover there's been and for me nxt takeover new orleans is the greatest takeover um and we probably should do a, a takeover you know pay-per-view ranking mm. one day mm. um but i mean just incredible you know cole, cole winning fit really well because of it being this new title now you couldn't really. I think. I think EC3 you could have given it to, because he was fairly well known and he had the character. Ricochet would have been fine, but he was just making his debut, so he yeah. perhaps needed that that build for him. The other three. I mean, Killian had obviously been known for his sanity stuff, and he was never really a big single star. Velveteen Dream would have been a possibility, I suppose. And you know he would become North American champion later later down the line. Um, and Lars to me was never winning. He was the he was the Omos of the match to where you need a big guy in it. And yes, you had Dane, but you needed someone that could just, just go through a ladder halfway through a match. And that's how he got written out of it. Mm. Um, but I mean, I just remember the dive from Ricochet straight away, just flew out the ring, and I was like, oh, this is going to be quite good. Um, and I think the best thing for me was that it was on a Saturday night, but my friend was coming around to watch WrestleMania on the Sunday. So it was like, I, I usually watch TakeOvers live, but I will wait. So for the whole of Sunday morning, I went off and, and played tennis with a friend. And then like my friend arrived like at four o'clock. And I was like, TakeOver? Yeah, sure. And no, no, neither of us had been on our phone, so we didn't know anything that happened. Mm. So that was like the really good thing. Like we were entering the pay per view spoiler free, so like we're thinking, well, who's going to win this match without actually knowing? Um, and like both of us were supporting Cole because we'd seen him at a house show like a year before. Yeah. And when he'd won, it just felt like a, a real surprise. And then obviously he'd come back and win the tag match later on. So double Cole, you know, that's probably double what Cole, my baby. That I got two out of Cole matches. Um, but yeah, yeah, really good match. I think it's one of Alan's, uh, Alan on our podcast's favourites. Yes. And what more can I say about my number two with it being the North American ladder match? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I love a ladder match. And 
this is just one that I can just go back to. I remember something leaking around the time where they were saying about make sure this happens in this match, make sure this happens in this match. And because it was Ricochet's debut, it was make sure Ricochet gets as many big spots as possible. Yeah. Uh, make sure he can showcase his high fi and stuff. Um, that's shooting star press at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Loved it. And I can go back and watch it whenever. Um, and it's my number two. So there's another nice segue. So Callum, <laughs> what's your number two? It's from that same pay-per-view. Oh. And it's the main event of Gargano and Champa. The, 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 basically, the, the year and a half story doesn't even come to a close, but it sort of enters its new chapter. So Gargano and Champa, for me, were was, was staples of the NXT era that sort of means the most to me. Mm. Them as a tag team in 2016, which I think we're going to be talking about very soon, sort of made me appreciate NXT more than Raw and SmackDown. So around that time, I was thinking, well, what, what are the three, what are my shows out of in terms of wrestling that if I had to watch one, which one would it be? And in, at that time, it would be NXT. So from pretty much um, TakeOver, uh, TakeOver Toronto time, NXT was the show that I wanted to watch the most because of A, Gargano and Champa as a tag team. And then, you know, a few of the other singles stars like, you know, Samoa Joe and Yunakamura's. Um, but I mean, I, I remember TakeOver Chicago quite well because I was down staying at a relative's and I'd strategically taken my PlayStation with me with the thought process of, I'm probably going to stay up on Saturday night and watch TakeOver. And obviously that was the pay-per-view that had um, Dan and Bait on. It also had a really odd title match between Bobby Roode and Hideo Itami, <laughs> which is probably why I don't remember that pay-per-view so well. But I remember it more, more so for the, the main event ladder match between Authors of Pain and Gargano and Champa. And obviously I think Champa was... I think that Champa was entering the match with an injury already. And everyone was sort of confused to well, why is it why is it main eventing? Is this gonna be like just their like their last hurrah and they're gonna go up to the main roster as a tag team? Or or is something else going to happen? And in the back of my head, I thought, oh I really hope they don't split them up as a tag team because of how much I've enjoyed their run. Uh, and then all of a sudden they lose the ladder match, they have that heartbreak. Champa sort of puts his arm around Gargano and then just slams him into the Titatron. And it was, it was sort of when Homer beats up the, the crusty burglar, you know, the stop, stop, he's already dead quote, where you just wanted him to stop beating Gargano up. And then in the space of like a minute, it'd gone from being DIY being my favourite tag team to being, oh, I hate this guy, Champa. Mm. And, oh, Gargano's now the biggest baby face in the company. I think Champa's injury that he sustained in this match or prior to this match helped this feud so much. If they'd just done it at the next takeover, it would have been, oh, well, it's done now. You know, we might get another match at the next takeover, but we're not going to get uh, an eight-month build. So you sort of had Gargano's redemption in a way. You know, even though he was losing matches to, to people like Andrade, um, you still had him be built up as a single star by himself and be split from Champa for those eight months. 
And as soon as you think Gargano is gone from the company or got, gone at least from NXT after the Almas match, that's when Champa comes back in. Yeah. And like, then you're reminded of, oh, these two don't like each other. And these two are now the main focal point of this takeover. And they had just an absolute barnstorming main event. And because it was a match that we didn't know what the result was because this was the same pay-per-view as the, the North American title match, um, we were just sat on the edge of our seats for the best part of what felt like an hour, but it wasn't an hour. But, I mean, it just felt like any move could win the match. And it just, it was sort of just near falls after near falls. And you had, I'm trying to remember, did, Gar- did Champa tap out? So did Gargano lock in the, the his, his submission finisher with the, with the crutch? Was this the street fight? This was the first match at, at New Orleans. So I think it was the street fight, yeah. So the street fight ended with the... DDT onto the exposed wooden ring. Okay, what thing, didn't it? Gargano won. Oh, what well, didn't then? No. So, so the because the, the, the New Orleans match was similar, I think, to the um, Almas match, to where if Gargano lost, he left NXT. Uh, let's have a look. Um, so I'm pretty sure Champa went for the for his crutch, and which sounds very weird to be saying at 10:30 on a Saturday morning. It sounds like a terrible crime novel um but gargano then locked in the yeah. so uh countered applied the gargano no escape transitioned into an stf using the knee brace champ yeah. submitted gargano won and was reinstated into nxt yeah you're right yeah so that's how that match finished um and whilst they had matches after matches after this and just continued to feud for really like from this point onwards until their, their final one final beat match, which to me could have been better than this if it hadn't been um, during the, the COVID era. Mm-hmm. But this this for me, just again, similar to like the Sasha Bailey match in 2015, this for me sort of took NXT another step up to where then you had Champa, Gargano, Cole, Ricochet. You, know, you had six, seven guys that just became such a huge part of this brand for the next two years and they just carried NXT to the next level yeah they really did um well I think we know where this leaves us I mean should we say it at the same time or is that going to be terrible for- are, we, um, are we that well in sync that we can do it at the same time can you imagine though if we got to this point and it wasn't my number one like the amount that I've spoken about it, Mojo Rawley versus well, you know, the hype bros versus the lucha dragons from no. yeah. So, number ones, I'm assuming Calms is the same, yeah. NXT TakeOver Toronto, yeah. DIY versus the revival, yeah. Two out of three falls, definitely. What a match! It's it's just... so it's just really far ahead of everything else. That's the yeah. silly thing. Like, as good as the matches that we've had in our top 10 have been, as soon as he said, we're going to do a takeover list, I thought, well, I think I know what my number one is. I can yeah. put my number one is straight away. Yeah. Whereas sort of like two to 10, <laughs> as seen by this, where my number six was down in my ninth position originally, they could just move around. This number one is just the greatest, like one of the best, not just NXT matches, one of the best tag team matches and one of the best WWE matches of all time. 
because I always get a little bit, I can't think of the word to describe it, but it's the same with films. When something new happens or when something new comes out or there's a recent match, I'm always deterred to go, that was the best thing I've ever seen because it seems too recent and it seems too soon. But this is the, my second favourite match of all time behind Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And I just think for everything that it was, it was perfect. It was the right level of tension. It was the right level of um, conflict. It was the right mm. level of just like that idea that I'm glad DIY lost at Brooklyn. Oh, definitely. Because they'd only been teaming for a little bit. Mm. Or like, you know, they'd only been featured as a team heavily on NXT for a little bit. And then that was the first time where it was like, oh, well, we got T-shirts made. And it was it like, had the one, it was like, oh, well, this is all a big thing then, isn't it? Mm. Whereas actually the fact that they lost and then they went into this as like two out of three falls, mm. definitive winner, let's go. It was just, it was sublime. But again, like with the way that a two out of three falls match works, typically you will get the faces take one fall, the heels take one fall. Mm. And then the drama happens in the third and final fall, which it all did. It all did in this match. Mm. But I'm glad they took the time to get to the first fall. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be a really quick roll up to get one and done and out of the way. But actually they took the time with it. And I have used this anecdote many, many times, and I'm going to say it one more time. The fact that a non-wrestling fan can say that is the best match you've ever shown me tells you how good this match is. Yeah. 100%. And I was looking the other day, and the idea is now in my head again. I might buy myself an FTR shirt. Mm. Just, I love those guys. And I think right now in AEW, they're doing the best work. And that's saying something, being as I've just said, my second favorite match of all time features them, and it wasn't mm. an AEW. So, yeah. Best NXT takeover match. DIY revival, two out of three falls. Yeah, so, I, mean, I, I remember um, it was obviously a Saturday night, and I remember really looking forward to the pay per view. I sort of had a, had a sleep beforehand, and I thought I might need a sleep because I, I was used to staying up to watch pay per views, but I knew Survivor Series was obviously the next night after. Mm. And I thought, well, look, if I, if I have to sleep, I'll sleep tonight and watch Survivor Series live. Yeah. Fortunately, I did wake up like maybe 20 minutes after TakeOver started. So I, I caught up in time to watch that match. And it was another one similar to, to the Alpha Revival match where I was just out of breath watching it. And it was just, you can be sat on the edge of your seat watching wrestling. Yeah. You know, the, the, as you said, the drama about it was just unreal. Um, obviously, we had Gargano and Champa take part in the Cruiserweight Classic. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they, to me, felt like American Alpha's replacements in terms of a babyface team. Yeah. Like, oh, American Alpha have been called up to the main roster, so we need another face team that could go against the Revival. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, it was these two. And I think I, I was obviously supporting them for their Brooklyn match, but it fit that they lost that match. I think that they'd they'd done it around the time when Gargano lost to who won the cruiserweight club? Uh, TJP. TJP. 
he, he lost to TJP and sort of injured his leg in the process. Yes. They, they were sort of able to fit that into the TakeOver Brooklyn match. And then you had the Dusty Cup start. And from memory, um, the Revival cost DIY in, in Dusty Classic. There was just something where, where I think Gargano got dragged out the ring by, by the Revival and they beat him up and that cost them the match. Um, so that all led to this. And it was just, again, something that we just don't, didn't see a lot in, in NXT. Of, of a match where you could just not not sorry not just in NXT but in, in wrestling in general where you could just be sat on the edge of your seat and everyone I think was rooting for DIY like there's there's times where nine times out of ten you will be supporting a face but then you'd have that one person say oh I want Seth to win that match actually I want Seth to beat Cesaro and and it was just everyone was supporting these two guys who I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but for me, I hadn't heard of Gargano and Champa until the Cruiserweight Classic. Um, and then all of a sudden, in the space of four months, they weren't just my favourite tag team in the world. They were two of my favourite wrestlers just to watch. Yeah. And again, this point onwards, you had Gargano and Champa just be, be the, the, no pun intended, the heart and soul of NXT from this pay-per-view until really NXT rebranded. Mm. Yeah, they, they were the two biggest stars that were the constant on NXT from 2016 until 2021. They, they were what made me tune into NXT religiously. Like whether they were a tag team or whether they were single stars, you knew that Gargano and Ciampa were going to be there. Like whilst everyone either got a call up or were released, Gargano and Ciampa were were what made NXT a success. Um, yeah, and this match was just surreal because the Revival w- was such a solid tag team as well to where you thought, these two these two teams can just go up for the main roster tomorrow, have that match on Survivor Series, and it would be the best thing in the world. Yeah. And for some reason, the Revival never really clicked on the main roster. And for some reason, I'm not sure whether Champa will. And for some stupid reason, Gargano has never got the opportunity to work on the main roster. Like, it is so sad to see, like, on this whole list, the amount of people that we have mentioned and how little they've sort of, I I hate to say succeed because that's the wrong way to put it, but how little they've got that opportunity to to grow into an even bigger star. Like, Gargano and Ciampa could have been this this decade's equivalent to the Hardy Boys or an Edge and Christian to where they could could have been the biggest tag team in the world. Whereas they sort of just felt like obviously the biggest tag team in NXT, but the biggest tag team to just like a, a, a particular wrestling fan. Like there's a lot of wrestling fans that didn't watch takeovers. So they're probably thinking, who are Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa? And I never really got to see that on the main roster. And I think that's like a shame with so many of these these wrestlers that they, they peaked in NXT. They peaked under the booking of Triple H and a few others. And to bring it all back to the start, that's, I think, again, that is what I hope for the most with this new change, is that we get to see those guys peak at a higher level and become, you know, become 
the modern day Steve Austin or a modern day Roman Reigns or a John Cena. We we get we get Johnny Gargano main event at WrestleMania, or we get to see Tommaso Ciampa be the IC champion. We see Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and all of these guys that for me made NXT not what it is now, because what it is now is completely different to what it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, what it is now, like as you said, ended in 2021. Like NXT's roots are sort of different now to what they were just two years ago. Um, but it's what made a product in 2015 become the biggest show in WWE, in my eyes. Yeah. Like, I tuned in more for NXT than anything else. And it's to me, they're, I'm going to get so much hate for saying this, but I don't really care. There would be no AEW if there wasn't an NXT. No, there wouldn't be. And I'll just leave it at that. Because I completely agree with you, because as much as, yes, there was the popularity of New Japan, Mm. and there was the popularity of these stars like Omega and Young Bucks and stuff like Mm. that, AEW as a company, fundamentally, the amount of people that are on their roster Mm. succeeded in NXT and were a victim of the current main roster product Mm. system that they have in WWE and Mm. chose to leave. Yeah. Now, I want to mention this. So I've been writing down who's on our list and whatever, Mm. and I've got who appeared the most, okay? Mm. So with three votes each, Grizzled Young Veterans, The Revival, and Tommaso Ciampa. Okay. With five votes, Johnny Gargano, and with six votes each, Adam Cole and Ricochet. So they're the ones who appear the most, Adam yeah. Cole and Ricochet. So, like, if you look at those two, Adam Cole's recently been in the world title picture. He's just won the Owen Hart tournament in AEW. Mm. Ricochet has lost the Intercontinental title and is doing what? Exactly. Silence. This is why people leave. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, a good solid list, I think. Definitely. We easily just spoke about 30 plus matches Mm. on NXT TakeOvers that if you've not seen any of them, go and watch them. If you've not seen DIY Revival, go and watch that first. Start there, you know, and then work backwards. Or maybe missed don't. A... Maybe start with the ones that we mentioned first and then work towards the, t- the top. We missed, end. like, a Sami Zayn versus Cesaro match. This is, there's so many that we didn't talk yeah. about that aren't bad matches. No. It's just that they just didn't make our list because there's so much other stuff that's great. Like, at one point, I thought I was going to end up putting Pat McAfee and Adam Cole in there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we could argue this. Is NXT especially from, again, TakeOver Brooklyn 1 until it shifting to 2.0, it almost feels like NXT could have been like a victim of its own success. Mm. You know, because every TakeOver from pretty much, I'm not going to say TakeOver Brooklyn, because there, there were a few TakeOvers. The London show was okay, but a few TakeOvers in between that were up in the air. Yeah. From maybe... I will go from TakeOver Toronto, the, the DIY revival, which is our number one match. From then until Stand and Deliver, every TakeOver felt bigger than the last. 
And that's where I wonder whether it is almost a victim of its own success because he had five, sometimes six matches, every takeover card that was that were just incredible. Like we could have had, I, I mean, I, it would have taken us much longer than an hour and a half. And for that, I'm very pleased that we don't. But we could have had a top 30 takeover matches. That's how insane they were for that five-year period. Yeah. Like every match just felt important. And like even like the matches that you weren't necessarily looking forward to, you were bought into by like the fifth minute because oh, this is really, really good. Like I remember like the one that you mentioned earlier, Undisputed Era versus Birch and Lorcan. Like for me, Birch and Lorcan together were sort of a, a job jobber team. Mm. Like they would be sort of like the first team that this new tag team would face or even like five star Lars, you know, you'd have him come in and destroy, you know, Birch and Lorcan. Like you didn't buy Birch and Lorcan as a serious threat to to the tag titles, but then they'd have a match for Undisputed Era and it'd be incredible. Like, yeah. like you watch this ma- match after match after match and just be completely blown away by the talent involved. Mm. And for me, I bought in to that, oh, Adam Cole is going to be a world champion one day in WWE. You know, Sami Zayn could be like one of the best baby faces in the company one day. Yeah. And they just weren't. And that isn't their fault at all. That is the, the problem with how the main roster itself had been run or, and is run. That that they talk about NXT being a developmental for this new crop of stars aside from reigns who i don't class as as this generation of nxt at all no aside from from reigns drew no drew was only in nxt for a brief period and yes you've got your charlottes and your beckys and your baileys there aren't as many nxt stars from the era that we've sort of spoken about so candidly that are in, on the main roster now being booked as the stars that they were whilst they were in NXT because they've either been ricocheted, you know, that's not a pun with him bouncing around anywhere, or they're an Adam Cole who have looked at what they were going to do. He was going to be a manager for Keith Lee on the main roster. Mm. You know, someone who had one of the best title reigns in NXT was going to be a manager. No wonder why he left. No wonder why Alistair Black left or Neville left. I mean, Finn, like Finn a few weeks ago was going to be this leader of this new faction. And to me, it's already beginning to go downhill. Like Finn is your longest reigning NXT champion of all time, I think, unless Cole broke it. Yeah. And he's mid-card at best. Like... I mean, it's so sad to see where it got to, which is why I'm not really watched NXT 2.0 because I think, well, is Bron Breaker going to be the next Roman Reigns? Because they said that about that guy and he's now elsewhere. So, it, again, is it a victim of its own success in a way that we got it so good for that time and it could never be so good again? Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I think I'm with you in that I've barely watched any 2.0. Um... I miss black and gold too much. Yeah. Like, I love black and gold. 
Um, it was, it was, I, I said this at the time, and as weird as it sounds, that for me for a while, TNA was my WWE alternative in mm. that if I was getting a little bit lethargic with WWE's main products, I'd watch TNA for a bit. Mm. NXT became that. Even though it's the same company, NXT became my main roster alternative. Yeah. And now that's gone. Yeah. Thankfully, there's AEW to be a mm. WWE alternative, but I miss I miss NXT. I miss it a lot. Oh, right. Yeah. So, Callum, next week, we've supposedly got tie back. Yeah, I mean, I assume we've got return promos similar to what Edge has got. I'm, I'm, I'm going to record something for him. He won't know this. Because really? he does, I don't think he listens to these. Oh, fine. Um, I know. He's no solidarity. Um, but I think I've got an idea. I think I've got an idea of something nice to play in at the start of next week's episode. It's going to be Eric Bischoff's theme tune. <laughs> Um, but uh, well, no. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, have you got anything you want to plug? Anything you want to share? What are you doing this week, Carl? Um, I mean, trying to think. What could I be doing this week? Um, uh, it's the French Grand Prix tomorrow. Nice. Um, not going to it or anything. Just watching it on the TV. Oh. Not that fortunate. Um. I might be going to a, a pre-season friendly next weekend between Nottingham Forest and Valencia. Yeah. Nottingham, Nottingham Forest have signed X-Man new player Jesse Lingard. Oh, I saw that, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't involved in the transfer talks, I'm afraid. Oh. Uh, I didn't say, can we have can we have a double? Can we have a Lingard and a Farrand double or anything? I was here waiting. Forest and Farrand fits, fits really well. Instead of Farrand on Phil, we'd be Farrand on Forest. Forest. Um, but yeah, I mean, might be going to watch a game of football next weekend. Obviously, um, you know, this time last year, roughly, we were talking about it maybe coming home with England men's. It might it be coming home with England women. Home with England with the lionesses. You know, absolutely phenomenal match against Spain on Wednesday. Um, nervy, very nervy. Hate it going to extra time. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's really sad. I get I get so nervous about sport where I can't really control what happens and yet similar to, to sort of our, our passion about wrestling is that it does feel like you're on the edge of your seat for for sporting events and which is probably why I like wrestling so much because I can I don't cope with the drama at all I'm biting my nails and and shivering but you've got those two that go in hand in hand with the intensity and drama of a DIY versus revival and uh, extra time and possibilities of a penalty shootout in in a huge game of, of football um, but we've got that later this week, their semi-final against Sweden on Tuesday mm-hmm. night. And then their final is a week tomorrow, there, so 31st of July, which will be at Wembley. Um, I, I thought about you a few weeks ago when watching one of the matches that was happening at Old Trafford. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the first, their first group game against Austria. I, thought, I wonder if Adam's gone. I didn't go. I've been to Old Trafford many a time, but I didn't go for that one. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's what's going on at the moment. Just watching as much sport as possible. Um, but yeah, in two weeks' time, the Premier League season starts. And yeah, I'm going to be even more nervous than, than usual because of Forrest being in the Premier League and just hope that our star player Lingard doesn't get injured too early. 
Otherwise, we might have just signed up as someone from Manchester. Yeah, this is it. You may as well sign me. Um, anyway, what are you doing? You've been quite busy in the last few weeks. So, have you got a, a quiet weekend? Oh, I've got, I hope so. So, um, we're going watching Joe Lysett tonight, as we record this, okay. um, at the Manchester Palace Theatre. And then tomorrow, Ruby is going to her granddad's. They, they basically they have access to a caravan that they use in August. So okay. Ruby's going there for a couple of days, um, which selfishly I am extremely happy about mm. because, first of all, it means that me and Amy can go out for a nice lunch meal with our mm. friends on Sunday. Um, and then on Monday, while Amy's at work, I'm having an Adam day, which Great. means I'm going to go to Manchester. Um, I've already scoped out a nice place to go for a bit of brunch. Um, I'm going to go and watch Elvis because I've still not seen Elvis. And I'm really oh, I've not seen Fox that or Top Gun yet. So oh, I'm too um, far behind. And I'm too nice weather. Yeah. And I'm going to just have a bit of a wander around Manchester, which is something that I like to do. Um, I might buy some more Lego. I don't know. Because I've already got quite a bit downstairs. Um, but now that I'm on summer holidays, I'm switching off. I'm probably going to fall asleep. And yeah, I'm not doing anything. I'm recording a massive podcast on Tuesday, though. Um, me and Ollie are doing a film one. Um, we're going to do a tier list of MCU films. Okay. Which is basically, oh God, I can't remember how many they're up to. 20 odd. Um, I feel like we're going to be here all day. So, <laughs> yeah, look forward to that too. Um, and I'm going to watch Book of Mormon on Friday. Oh, great. Um, and then next time I see you, I'll see you with Ty. And it'll be SummerSlam Day. So, Christ. With Brock Roman. With Brock Roman. I was so, I, honestly, I was so relieved when, when they said that Brock had walked out. I thought, oh, no, that's not good. Oh, God, that also means that we'll probably get Brock Roman again later down the line. Yeah, the first, we're probably going to get Roman Goldberg. And the first image, and I couldn't find it at all for some annoying reason, because I know how much people in the group appreciate terrible Simpson gifts. Was when Lyle Lanley was on the was on his flight to Tahiti, and I just thought of, oh, coming up at WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, and just thought of the oh no, not where am I? Oh, not yeah, yeah. Brock. And <laughs> the oh no, the realization very much confused me in the group this morning. Um, so I opened it up and I was kind of catching up with all the messages, and I saw you writing in. It's quite nice. I think I prefer it to an Indian as not as spicy. We sometimes go out to a Chinese takeaway, but we went for a slightly cheaper version and bought a meal for two from a supermarket. It was really nice. And I thought, has he sent that into the wrong chat? Like, well, and then I scrolled up and saw that Alan had put, how is the Chinese food in Bryn? <laughs> the, the thing is, last night I was having, you know, nice, nice Chinese with the family, left my phone away, and then went upstairs, looked at my phone at like 1am, and then I read all of the news. And I also put <laughs> in something so about confused. Brock being part of Max Dupree's modelling agency, which is why Max Dupree isn't there either. Oh, God. But then Maxine Dupree. Yeah. There was, there was a, I, I don't know who this woman is. She was doing something with Robert Stone at one point. Oh, anyway. It? Ah. It, I, I thought it was going to be Ginny. Maybe it should have been Ginny. Probably should have been Ginny. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so then, guys, hopefully next week we're going to be joined by the fearless leader, Ty. Um, I mean, we've built it up now. So if he's not here, pff, 
Yeah, it is what it is. Um, so be, as usual, it's gonna be like uh, Punk coming back to WWE <laughs> Raw, and one of us would come out and like uh, we'll, we'll play Ty's music. Yeah, and one of us could just say Ty isn't here. He's let he's let the fans down. Now the uh, he's disappointed us all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So stay safe. Look after each other. Uh, go watch wrestling that you want to watch. Go watch all these NXT takeover matches, not the wrestling that you think you should watch. And we will see you next time, hopefully, with the return of Ty. Bye.